Well, he is our risen Lord, and he is risen. He is risen indeed. So yeah, go ahead, chat that again. We want you to engage with what is happening this morning. And uh, we are just so excited, again, that you have chosen to spend this morning with us. And so can I just begin this morning by, by just saying this, is this was not the Easter that any of us anticipated. I mean, just a, just a month ago, uh, who would have imagined that we would be spending Easter services sequestered in our own homes? I mean, but if we stop and we think about it for just a moment, we'll realize that this Easter is really maybe more like the first Easter than we could possibly imagine. A an Easter that was way different than anybody imagined or expected. And that reminds me of, of a story about an old couple. Uh, the old couple, they'd been married for 62 years. And uh, the, the wife had come ill. She was in the hospital. And the, the old man, he had gone home, went into the closet and found uh, some paperwork so that they could make sure that all of their affairs were in order. Uh, but as he was looking in the closet, he found this box. And in the box, he found two knitted dolls and then a shoebox containing $35,000. And so he, he took that and he, and he went to the hospital and he asked his wife about this box. He says, hey, I, I found this box. And she says, oh yeah, I've been meaning to tell you about that. And she says, uh, when we first got married, my mom had told me to, to never dwell on the times when I got angry with you. And so if I got angry with you, I should just knit a doll and, and put it in a box somewhere. And, um, and, and so the, the husband, who had already loved his wife, just looked and he says, oh, darling, she says, only two dolls, there's only two times that you were ever truly angry with me, I'm just, I'm just so excited to hear that. And he says, well, what about the, the $35,000? And, and she says, well, uh, every time I knitted a doll, I took it to the craft fair and sold it and, for $5, and those are the proceeds. So uh, it wasn't exactly the response that he was expecting. And in the same way, uh, it seemed like no one anticipated what they would find that first Easter. Uh, the events of this last week in the life of Jesus were horrific, to say the least. I mean, who would have imagined at this time last week that Jesus would have been executed I mean, just a week ago, Jesus' followers, they had followed him with joy and with confidence as part of this entourage that welcomed Jesus into the city of Jerusalem with a hero's welcome. But by Thursday, he had been arrested. And by Friday, he had been crucified. And their world was completely turned upside down. This was not the Easter they anticipated at this point, the disciples of Jesus were, were scattered. They were hiding. Even though Jesus had told them repeatedly exactly what was going to happen this week, this sure wasn't the way that they thought things would turn out. The events of that first Easter uh, sent the religious leaders scrambling, kind of like pastors trying to figure out how to do a live stream service. And they actually thought, though, that they had everything under control, that they had gotten rid of that troublemaker Jesus who threatened their positions of authority. Now, this first uh, Easter also was not the Easter that the Roman soldiers had anticipated. Uh, they thought that they had put down a possible rebellion. They, they, they did what they did best. They crushed the opposition. And in doing so, they made a public statement about what happens to anyone who steps over the line. 
And just like, just like no one could have imagined how this pandemic would impact our Easter, no one was prepared for the events of that very first Easter Sunday. Now, this last week I was reading an article by a friend of mine named Steve Carter, and, and what he was writing in the article was about how we as pastors should, should respond to this uh, pandemic in the world. And, and as he was doing that, he reminded me of a formula, a leadership formula, axiom, leadership law, um, uh, that, that reminds us that events alone do not determine outcome. So, so here's, the, here's the formula real quickly. It's E plus R equals O. Events plus response equals outcome. Now, the, the ex, leadership expert Jack Camfield, he explains it this way. There are events that happen in our life. And, and when you respond to those events, then those responses produce an outcome. What most people do when they don't get the outcome that they want is they start to blame the events. And they start to blame the government. They blame their parents and the way they were brought up. They blame their boss. And this blaming, it never changes things. It doesn't change the event. It can't ever truly change. The only thing that can really change is, the, is we can change the outcome. The only way we can get a better outcome is to change our response. The events don't change. The, the only variable in the equation, the only thing that can affect a better outcome is our response. Uh, this formula is at work all the time in, in our lives. I mean, at home, when your kid spills a glass of milk, I mean, you can't unspill it. The event happened. All that you can control is your response, and your response will determine some kind of an outcome, and that outcome may stick with your kid for the rest of their lives. Uh, when they get older, they might wreck the car, and you can't unwreck the car, but your response to that situation can determine an outcome. When your wife goes shopping, she spends too much money, well, I guess you could make her return the stuff, but I'm not sure uh, that we want that. We, we know what that outcome will be, and I'm not sure we want any of that. If the outcomes in your life are damaging relationships, if they're causing you to have fear and anxiety, it's time, it's time to evaluate your responses. To, to get the best outcome, we often need to change our thinking. We have to change the way we believe about something. We have to change our behaviors, and, and we just have to change our response. And, and when we do, we will have a different outcome. Now, if we apply this to our current coronavirus situation, we can see how our response greatly impacts the outcomes. If we shelter in place, if we keep safe distances, if we continue to wash our hands and stay away from one another, then, then fewer people will catch the virus and fewer people will die. It's not easy, and this is all going to have an enormous price tag, but how we respond impacts the outcome. Folks, I believe that this formula has everything to do with the Easter story because Easter is the greatest event on the timeline of human history and how we respond to the event of Easter, it not just determines, determines our immediate outcomes, it determines our eternal outcome. The core truth of the Christian faith is not a religious practice. It's not some sort of spiritual idea. The core truth of Christianity centers around an event, the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So, so let's take a look at the event of Easter. 
Uh, turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 24, verses 1 through 11. And it says this, it says, On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. Now, the, the women hadn't prepared for an empty tomb. What they had prepared, they had prepared spices. Now, now why spices? Uh, they were spices that were there to embalm a, a dead body because what they had prepared for was that the body of Jesus would do what dead bodies normally do, stay dead. And, and that's what they were prepared for. Now, the, the, the story goes on and says this. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember, they said, remember how we told you. For how he told you that while he was still with you in Galilee, the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands, over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. And then they remembered his words. They were like, oh yeah, we, we remember what Jesus told us. Uh, we remember that that what happened there. So, so then the story continues. When they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the 11, to all the others. And it was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. But they did not believe the women because their words seemed like nonsense. I mean, nonsense. The, the disciples weren't prepared for this kind of Easter any, either. The one thing that they knew is that the Romans were really good at their jobs, that they were really good at making sure people were dead, and they were terrified that they were going to be next. I mean, speaking of the Romans, let's look at the event from the, the Roman soldier's perspective. It, it says this in Matthew 28, verses 1 through 4. It says, after the Sabbath day, on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary who went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. I mean, these were seasoned Roman soldiers, I mean, who are now shaking in their boots at the sight of this angel. This was certainly not what these Roman guards were expecting. Folks, life has a way of taking unexpected twists and turns. E events happen that we could never have anticipated, and, and we can't change those events. The events of our last few weeks have thrown all of us a curveball, but folks, Events alone do not determine outcomes. I, I mean, there is so much that is uncertain today, but what is certain is for Easter is that we have an empty tomb. So now that we've looked at the events of Easter, let's look at how people responded to the resurrection on that first Easter. First, let's take a look. In Luke 24, verses, verse 1 and then verse 11, initially the women who had gone to visit the tomb, they responded in shock and disbelief. The disciples also responded in disbelief as well. 
But in John chapter 20, verses 19 to 20, we discover that their response changes later that night when Jesus appears to them and they believe. They change their response from disbelief to belief, and that changes everything. One of the things that, that makes the gospel narrative so believable to me is that the writers are not afraid to leave in the parts of the story that don't present them in the best light. They share their fears, their disbeliefs, their weaknesses, and they share their mistakes. I mean, these are real people with real questions, with real doubts, and with real fears, just like us. But, but when they saw the risen Jesus, they believed, they responded and believed, and that response changed everything. Now, look at how the religious leaders in the Roman guards uh, responded. Let's take a look at this in Matthew chapter um, 28, verse 11. It says, while the women were on their way, that was to tell the disciples, some of the guards went into the city and reported to the chief priests everything that had happened. When the chief priest had met with the elders and devised a plan, they gave the soldiers a large sum of money, telling them, you are to say his disciples came during the night and stole him away while we were sleeping. If this report gets to the governor, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So the soldiers took the money and they did as they were instructed, and this story has been widely circulated among the Jews to this very day. Now, that's an interesting story. I mean, both the Roman guards and the religious leaders, they responded in fear. The, the guards didn't report this to the governor because they would have been executed for failing to do their job of guarding the tomb. So they allowed money to determine their response. They allowed their fear to make them take the money, believing that it would buy their safety. I mean, these verses tell us that the guards told the religious leaders everything that had happened. I mean, can you imagine that? They, they told them about the earthquake. They told them about the angel that came and rolled the stone away. But blinded by their own fear of being wrong about Jesus and losing their authority, they lied. They created this false narrative, and, and, and they lied to perpetuate it. How now people responded to this, how people respond to this event makes all the difference. Now, one of the disciples, his response became famous. Uh, it, it look in John chapter 20, verse uh, 24, where it says, Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my fingers where the nails were and put my hands into his side, I will not believe. So Thomas, I, I think he might have been the engineer in the group. He, he needed proof. And until he got proof, he responds with unbelief. Now, think about it. What, what are the things that cause you or drive your responses? Uh, is, it, is it just disbelief? Is it finances? Maybe it's wondering what other people will think if you respond in a certain way to the resurrection. Or, or maybe it's just what someone has always told you to believe. Whatever it is, our response to the resurrection has an outcome. It, it will have an eternal impact. It will have an eternal outcome. So, so let's take a look at what some of those outcomes were. 
I mean, the first outcome w- was that the religious leaders, they, they, they created this false narrative, and, and that has caused countless people through the ages to reject the truth of the resurrection of Jesus. And they just denied that the event ever happened. The Romans went on to try to suppress the message of the resurrection, but eventually their entire empire collapsed and Christianity went worldwide as the disciples responded by believing and taking this message of hope of eternal life to the rest of the world. I mean, even Thomas changed his response. It, it tells us this about Thomas. A, a week later, his disciples were in the house again and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here, see my hands, reach out your hand, and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, and here it is, My Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Man, what an amazing thing. So Thomas, I, I think, so Thomas changes his response. Tom, Thomas changes his response and he gave up doubting. And, and his belief, his belief took him to, to the country of India where eventually he was killed after converting thousands of Hindus and refusing to reject his faith, refusing to reject the story of the resurrection of Jesus. When Thomas changed his response, his life was changed, and so was the countless lives of others who shared, who he shared his faith with and who believed in the resurrection of Jesus because of his testimony. Do you see how important uh, responses are in that equation, that, that simple E plus R equals O? I mean, let's apply it to one of the early events of all of human history. I, I mean, right away, the event was Sin. Sin entered the world. Uh, mankind sinned and, and sep- found ourselves separated from God. Now, God could have responded and God should have said, I'm done with you all. But he didn't. Instead, God responded in love. God loved us so much that he, he, he came up with a plan to save us. And, and that plan included sending Jesus Christ to be the sacrifice for our sins. So God, and that, the outcome of that was God's grace to each one of us. So let's try that with, a, with another Bible verse. It, real simply, in John three sixteen, the event is, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. The event is he sent Jesus to die on the cross for our sins, and then Jesus was resurrected. Now, what's the response? Well, the response, quite simply, is that whoever believes in him That belief is the response. Now, you can choose not to believe, but that would be another response. The response from John 3.16 says that whoever believes in him, and what's the outcome? Will not perish, but have eternal life. I mean, that, that is the incredible outcome of our decision to believe. I mean, so, what about us? The question is this, how will we respond to the resurrection? Will you reject the resurrection? Will you allow the the rest of life to distract you from making a decision about the resurrection? Or will you choose to believe? Romans chapter 10 verses 9 and 10 says this. It says, if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will 
be saved. What, what, what this verse tells us is that when we respond in belief, the outcome is salvation. The outcome is eternal life. The question is, will you respond? It reminds me of a, a time in my life when um, uh, we had found out that my, my sister Debbie had, uh, had been diagnosed with cancer. Uh, she invited our family to, uh, to join her at this Relay for Life. And uh, they found out that she sang, and so they asked her if she would sing the national anthem, and she did, and it was beautiful as usual. But, but it was what she said after the song that's so powerful and, and, and really stuck with me. She said this, she said, we are all here because we want to find a cure for this dreaded thing called cancer. And then she said this, they may find a cure. You may beat cancer, but even if you do, one day, your journey in this life will come to an end. And the real question is, are you ready for that? You see, there is no doubt that we're going through, what we're going through today will be a defining moment in history for us. But what happened at the tomb was a defining moment in all of eternity and how each of us responds to the resurrection will determine how we spend our eternity. So maybe today on this Easter that no one could have anticipated, you might consider responding to the resurrection of Jesus. If you have never placed your faith or trust in Jesus, I would like to, and you would like to respond by saying, yes, I believe in my heart that God raised him from the dead, then, then simply I want to invite you to raise your hand by clicking on the, the little button that says, I commit my life to Jesus on, on the online chat. If you've made that decision, then I, I, would you please go and, and click on the menu up on the side where it says next steps um, and, and, and complete the, the form that, that, will be, that will pop up on that screen. I, I mean, maybe you've already responded to Jesus and believed in the resurrection, but maybe today is a day of recommitment for you because you haven't continued to allow you yourself to live a life of response in the power of the resurrection. For those of you watching on YouTube, you can go to the response link in the, in the description of the video. I mean, this is the most important choice that you will ever make. And we want to connect with you and help you on this journey of following Jesus. If you're a follower of Jesus, but maybe you haven't been experiencing the resurrection power in your life, Maybe you simply need to reevaluate how you are responding to the resurrection in your daily life. And, and maybe you too need to adjust your responses. One thing is for sure, how we respond to the resurrection of Jesus Christ, it changes everything. So will you in some way respond to the greatest news of the world that Jesus Christ is risen? And will you respond today? Now, we want to take some time uh, today and, and celebrate communion. It, it, it's a great way for us to remember what Christ has done for us. E each week, we take communion to remind us that Je what Jesus Christ has done on our behalf. And we recognize that there would be no resurrection without Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. Jesus died to pay the debt of our sin. But he rose from the grave to demonstrate his power over death. And so together, we want to celebrate this. So if you have the elements with you, I want to invite you to, to take them with us. Let's all do this together. The bread represents the body of Jesus Christ. 
that he was broken for us. So let's take the bread together. And together, let's take the cup that reminds us of the blood of Jesus Christ that was shed for our sins on on our behalf. Let's take the cup together. And as we reflect on the gift of Jesus Christ, let's also remember the power of the resurrection. And today, would you respond to that truth, to that incredible event that Jesus Christ, our Lord, is risen. He is risen indeed. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we want to thank you, Lord, for the indescribable gift of Jesus. We we thank you, Father, for his sacrifice for us. We thank you, Father, that you have made a way where there was no way. That, Father, you not only paid the price for our sins, but, God, in power, you rose your son Jesus from the dead, showing us that we can have power for real life now and eternal life later. We thank you for this indescribable gift and for your love for us. Father, help us to continue to respond with love, with adoration, with thanksgiving for the God who has saved us. We pray this in Jesus' powerful name. Amen. God bless you all.